0: Following a message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. I want to welcome those that are online. I know we've uh, had some really rich feedback from folks around the world. It's so humbling to know that... Uh, that you know, God, through his infinite wisdom, has provided opportunities for others to just benefit from just the, the reading and the teaching of his word. What a treasure to, to get to pour into each life and heart. Um, Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you for your presence and your power for the, the gift of your Holy Spirit, the, the precious gift of your word, your counsel, your heart to us. We pray that you would unpack these pages in our hearts and that you would give us practical understanding and uh, and just intentional application so that these these principles are not just thoughts and ideas but they are they are our lives the very things that we live in obedience to you de- declaring our love and adoration for who you are and what you've done. We love you we are so thankful. For your constant counsel, for the gift of the inspiration, the guidance, counsel, comfort, conviction of your Holy Spirit—these precious gifts that continue to walk us in to your image and your will and your way—to conform us to the very image of your Son, Lord, we we long for these things. And if, if we don't, Lord, change our hearts. Father, I pray that you continue to minister to Miss Lori and and uh, Leanne, and Paul, and Mark, and Richard, and Gina, um, many of us that have, uh, we haven't lost anything when they have, when a saint has gone home, but we feel their absence. Lord, I pray that you would minister to each one of these families, and uh, Father, that you would just continue to care for the health of these, uh, these frailing failing bodies, Lord, knowing that uh, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Thank you for the inward work, the healing that has been done is now being brought to fruition. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to your, to your purpose in our life, that that uh, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. We are confident, of your goodness and your grace and your faithfulness to your promises, Lord. Pray that you administer to Jerry. Thank you for the healing work that you're doing there. And uh, just thank you, Father, for just the mercy that you constantly shower our lives with and that love that you continue to demonstrate over and over again to us, Lord, that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are perceptive and receptive to this beautiful work that you're doing in us. And especially this morning, Lord, would you seed our heart with, with truth so that we would bear 160, that we would just be fruitful, Lord, and that we would manifest your love and your grace and your truth through our lives in a way that's natural as we abide in you as trees planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. whatever he does. Pro- help us to delight in you. Take Find our pleasure, hope, trust, in you alone. Lord, we love you. So thankful for you. Holy Spirit, would you do the work that only you can do? Take this frail vessel that is me and do the marvelous work that you always do. Uh, And we just ask that you would do a mighty work in each heart and life. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 12. We start a fresh chapter today. Uh, We have been journeying through the gospel of Luke. Uh, We know at the outset of this gospel in chapter one, verse one, Luke says that uh, it was his heart, his objective, his calling. Uh, to write an orderly account to the most to one most excellent Theophilus. Uh, so we we know that that Luke is a physician, just how God wired him, he was a he was a man, you know, God is a God of order, not of chaos, and so he shared that and and God used this wonderful instrument to 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 write uh, this not only this gospel, but also the the uh, the Acts of the Apostles uh, or the Book of Acts, and uh, which is a continuing saga of just the work of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the gospel going forth into the world, and uh, and uh, but I love. That Luke is one that kind of is really captured by chronology, and so we get the benefit of context here. Which, when we really, you know, because I think sometimes it, the danger is in our devotionals and stuff, we can just kind of wander into a passage, and uh, and miss the context of it, and then we lose really a large portion of what is 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 meant for us in that moment, and the application can be at risk if we're if we're not really digging into the The context. I, I, there was a seminary professor that I had that would, man, his. I mean, it just was etched into us. It was context is king. Context is king, you know. And uh, so we we uh, we 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 dive into the context here at the latter part of what we know is the uh, chapter eleven verses fifty three and fifty four. We know from last week that um, that Jesus was um, was was bold and loving. In in warning these Pharisees and the scribes or lawyers about their about their own hearts, their 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 it says your wickedness, and and uh, and so what what Jesus did for them, which is which is what the Holy Spirit does for us, don't miss that is he held up a mirror, and showed them their hearts. Have you ever been there? You ever been in God's word, in a Sunday sermon, in a message, uh, in a teaching, and, and, and God, in his mercy and his grace, gives us the gift of conviction by putting a mirror in front of our hearts and saying, that's, that's not what I want. I have, I have greater ambition for you. My heart is that you would be holy. And so my objective and my, my passion, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is here to perfect what uh, what I've started in you. And uh, and to bring to fruition what's already accomplished through the cross. Isn't that good news? Like, because we're already healed by his stripes. And so now the Holy Spirit is doing this intimate work of healing us and what the word of God does with the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank God. You know, the, the author himself kind of shows us the truth in such a rich and intimate way. Do you know that, like the Lord's already kind of like convicted me and challenged me in this, in this passage. I am so excited to share this with you. And, the, and the, really the thrust of this message, um, you know, isn't something, you know, it's, it's warning, right? It's, 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 it's sobering and challenging, yet it's so incredibly relevant. Isn't it miraculous? We know that this is a living word. This is a, a living document. This is alive because the Holy Spirit continues to instruct it so personally and intimately to our own lives and hearts. But man, I could be up here filled with zeal and excitement and because of the, the, what it's done in my heart. But, but what I, my prayer is, is that your heart, with the help of the Holy Spirit, will engage in this passage in a way where, where you will be not just open, but receptive, wanting that mirror to be put right on it so that you can see those. Isn't that what light does? And when light shines into, you know, oftentimes we see the imperfections. You know, if we're, if we're, if we're kind of wander, wandering around in darkness, sometimes we don't see the, the things that can cause us to, to stumble and fall. And right, and so when the light of the world and his spirit walks into our life and then calls us to be the light and to walk in the light as he is in the light, you know we're we're going to constantly be be shown you know he's the refiner's fire what does that do in our lives as we're tested it brings the impurities the imperfections to the surface and and then we like the like John the Baptist said to the Pharisees we we need to produce fruit in what keeping with repentance Right? So the Christian life is, is a journey of repentance. It's a journey of God. Do you find that we we're talking about this this morning, like the more you grow in the Lord, uh, I think it's interesting that the latter part of, of what, you know, you look at Paul's epistles and when they were written. And one of the latest uh, epistles is, is his letters to Timothy. And, and what he, say, he what he, he refers to himself in there is the chief of sinners. You know, and so what, why is it that we see this maturity happening in Paul and, and yet through that maturity he comes to understand the, his own depravity in, in a more significant way and it's because he's come to know the, the grace of God and its breadth, its magnitude, its, its, its healing work in our life and and when we walk in the light we're we're going to those impure those things are going to be brought to the but but here's where we ended last week what are you going to do with what do you, let me ask a question what what is your conditional behavior when an imperfection is revealed to you especially by the lord his spirit his word because the pharisees had a very which we'll read in just a second had a very clear objective that I don't like the message. I don't like what I'm being told. So let's put the messenger out. And he, you know what's so ironic about that? He told them in what he said to them that caused this response that this is exactly what you're going to do and held, be held accountable for. And it's, it's what the prophets did. It's what your fathers did. It's the prophets would come. They'd tell you about your ills, your, 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 your bad choices. And rather than see that as an opportunity for, for repentance and confession and, t- and turning, you, 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 you just took them out. You, 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 you extinguished the message and the messenger. And that's exactly what you're going to do to me. Jesus was saying, as we read between the lines. And so rather than respond like David did, as we talked about last week, when the prophet Nathan said, it's you, it's it's you. And as we talked about, I want to just bring this into this context is, guys, it's not about trying to fix our behavior. It's a heart issue and only God can fix that. And so when we give him our hearts, when we give to him alms, you know that, that the inside then gets what happens the the outside changes that's the testimony of my life that there were things i didn't really like about my my behaviors but but as i as i as i yielded to his lordship and and submitted to his word and and confessed it as agreed with god about my sin and he began to do the changing work in my heart which manifested itself in my actions and isn't that continuing to be the need. Like, don't we still have a long way to go? And, and God, is, God is patient. God is committed to the journey of making us like himself. And isn't that the good news? And as it says in the end of our passage today, which I'll read in a moment, I promise, is like, what it says is, you know, he knows you to this degree. He knows the number of hairs on your head today. I mean, that's ever-changing for me in a diminishing effect. You know, and he's fully aware of that journey. Like, that's, a, that's, a, that's amazing, right? But that's, it's meant to amaze us, the, the, the way that he knows us, and yet he values us, treasures us, to the point of sending his son to die for us. Because there was no other way. There's only one way to the Father. So... So so Luke writes this orderly account. And where we left off last Sunday, the scribes and the Pharisees had this to say. It says they began to press him hard to provoke him to speak about many things with this aim, with this hope, lying in wait for him to catch him in something that he might say so that they might extinguish the message, the messenger, the one that's how do you relate to conviction in your life? Do you just ignore it? Because our God is relentless for your holiness. So that is, that is a, a path to misery, <laughs> right? Like what God wants from us is, is, a, is a posture that says, your way is better than my way. I want what you want for me. I, I don't even have to understand that this is, I know that my, my nature wants this but it's it's in contrast to your will and your word so so help me I, I agree with you this is not for me but give me give me the strength and the and the resources i need in order to walk in holiness does that make sense guys and then the power of god comes in and does what only he can do which is to make us new and that's what he wants to do and he's good that way so Now Jesus is back in a large crowd. We see that in chapter seven, verse 36. And this is, it says many thousands. Okay, so he's back in a large crowd uh, uh, with the agenda of the Jews highly motivated, right? He knew their heart before he even said those six woes to them, right? He knew their heart anyway, but now it's intensified. He's thrown fuel on the fire. That wasn't his aim, by the way. He wasn't just trying to irritate or agitate these Jewish leaders. He was was searching their hearts. He was pursuing their their lives. He was seeking to rescue them and to reveal truth, the law, so they would see their sinful nature as the problem. So now he's back in a large crowd with the agenda highly motivated now by these Jewish leaders and others wanting a miracle for various reasons like entertainment. Who's this guy? I want to go see him. Or a legitimate healing. Popularity is not Jesus' goal. Do you know that this morning? Popularity was not his clearly not his goal, and he had no fear of man. He is on a mission to save the world through the cross. And the challenge in our text this morning, and don't miss this, is that he doesn't want us to have the agenda of popularity. And he never wants us to fear man because it is a path to compromise. It is where we end up being ashamed of the gospel instead of recognizing it as the power of God to the salvation of everyone who believes. And so we need to follow Jesus in this lack of of desire to to be liked, right? That will get in the way of us being bold, and courageous. We, we're called to be God pleasers and not people pleasers, and those are at odds. So I start with a couple of questions. Do you fear what man can do to you? And just to be faithful to the context, especially those with means and motive, do sometimes we get worked up about what government's doing? Do we get worked up about what others and then the enemy tends to feed that 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 lie, that narrative, right, with, with fuel and create agitation between relationships? Do you fear what man can do? And then secondly, do you desire to be popular? Honest. Be honest with yourself. Let the truth of God's word really bring some, some, some concern here. Like, are... Because is there a cost for popularity? Let's look at that. Here's the passage this morning. This is Luke 12. Hope you have your Bibles open, ready, uh, reading along with me. The, 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 The text is on the screen and it goes like this. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after they have, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold with two pennies? And are not one of them is forgotten before God? Why? Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are more valuable than many sparrows. All right, let's look at these seven verses. And I am confident that if you are attentive and you are hungry for the the change that God wants to make in our life, that, that you will walk out of here with a whole different perspective here. Meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together and they were trampling one another, that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven. What's in, in most contexts, Old Testament connotation, leaven would have been synonymous with sin, right? And so uh, what, is, what is the sin of the Pharisees? What is, that's what Jesus is saying. Be careful of this sin of the Pharisees, hypocrisy. So what is hypocrisy? you know saying something and doing something different. like we've said these things in in a, in a in a cultural context but 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 it's a greek word hypocrite and it means simply actor right it means actor it would go on to say one who plays a part now i think it's kind of interesting that in our culture we uh, we make celebrities out of hypocrites out of actors, we make, and somehow they have a, a platform in areas of politics and, and morality, right? Because they're because they're, we make them into celebrities, right? Because they're able to, to act, and yet Jesus is at odds with this with this attribute because he believes that we should be uh, individuals that walk in the light, that are transparent, in 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 honest. Uh, about uh, all of our shortcomings and faults and and uh, acknowledging, boasting in our weaknesses and that we shouldn't wear masks. Now, is that an excuse to be lazy or is that an excuse to be rude? Uh, no, that's not the point of it. It's that we wouldn't hide our faults uh, out of fear of what others might think. Let me ask a few questions. Why do you try to portray something or why do we try to portray something that we're not? Why, why do, why do we, why does, why do we do that? Any thoughts? Why do we do that? Approval. Shame. Some thoughts. I had a little bit more time to think about it. Um, To impress others. A lot of this comes out of insecurity, uh, concern about what others might think. Uh, We don't like who we are. In other words, how God has made us. Uh, We're concerned we will not be loved. Uh, Living up to social standards or expectations or current trends or fads. But a lot of it within our culture as the church is it's because of bad theology or doctrine, right? We don't understand the freedom that we have in Christ. We don't understand the liberty that we're called to through confession and repentance. Just, I mean, it goes back to the garden, right? God walks into the garden and says, where are you? Did, did God not know where they were? What was, he, what was he looking for? For them to own it, not to get into a blame game, right? But to just say, I blew it. I did the one thing you asked, right? And, and man, God's posture, we're told because of the cross, like there's the, there's the payment, right? And it's, it's total, it's full, it's complete, right? He says, if you confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some of our, all of our unrighteousness. Right? Do we know that we have a prodigal father that stands on the horizons of our lives and, and welcomes us back home? In fact, he's the one that runs to us when we just turn in his direction and he restores, refreshes. He gives us back the inheritance we've squandered. We're co-heirs with Christ. Have you ever taken that in? Like this is what we've been given through the cross. This is what Jesus came to offer us. We killed him and he came. What He came to give us the Father, to give us His presence, His power, His love, His grace, to shower us, to to invite us back in. Did we deserve any of that? And yet... So why do we try, knowing this, this, this invite into his holy presence, the cleansing work of the cross, this, this mercy and grace that has showered our lives. The, you know, this is what he said to the Pharisees right before this occasion. He said, look, it's, it's about getting clean here. It's a hard issue. But they, when, when their heart was revealed, they're like, you're the problem. Is the bible the problem? Is the holy spirit's conviction the problem? Is truth the problem or do I have a problem? Right? Is there things in my heart and in my life that I don't I don't I don't understand and don't don't do well? And and this is there's an antidote. And Jesus kind of points to that. I have a few more questions for you. Why are we hiding instead of healing? And I'm so excited about what this passage teaches us, what Jesus is trying to impart to the boys here. He's, man, he's, there's, throng, there's thousands of people and he is like over here with the boys saying, look, you gotta be careful about the sin of hypocrisy because it's it's right here. Like, you you can't be fearing these guys that wanna kill me now because if they wanna kill me, they wanna, right? You're, you're my disciples, you're my propagator. Like, you're gonna take this beyond me, like, you can't be afraid of that. And then you see all this popularity going on. You see all these, but whenever there's a giant crowd, he, he, he seems to bring a tough teaching. He's, he's kind of weeding them out, right? He's kind of saying, he's saying some things just to say, like, you know, you better count the cost. <laughs> this is, you know, following me, uh, this, this, you got to go through a cross in order to experience the promises. And it's a daily work of denying yourself like if you're ashamed of me before my heavenly father I'm I'm going to be ashamed of you right i mean like so so you know and and what's amazing on the other side of the cross i love when you read old testament new testament because the the the, the shift of the vernacular is this the cross <laughs> you know we've been healed there's there's because of, and we'll get to a verse in galatians i love but like why are we hiding instead of healing? Now, what's, what's the roadmap to healing, right? But 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 we we've got to do what John the Baptist said to these Pharisees. He said, You brood of vipers. <laughs> Whoa. Right? What is he saying? He's he's making a connection to the to the garden. That you're you're still full of the venom of of the fall. Right? And, and but then he goes on to this: he gives them the answers: produce fruit in your life, in keeping with repentance. What does that mean? That means when you keep something, you, you're faithful to it. You're, you, 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 you do it consistently. And he's saying, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Isn't that the truth for us? That our lives, the Christian life, man, you, is there a perception by the world that the, that the church is full of hypocrites? Is it true? Yeah, Right? But, but, but this is the truth too, that the reason we're different is not because we're perfect, it's because we serve a perfect God who is making us perfect. And when we embrace the reality of the cross and the, and the cleansing work that's possible through confession and trusting Christ for the redemptive work that only he can do, then we get, we get cl- cleansed. We get healed. And so the, 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 it's not about doing better it's about owning our sin. It's the ABCs, agreeing with God about our sin, right? Believing that Jesus is the Christ, right? And confessing him as Lord, right? And, and every day, every day we have opportunities to deny ourselves, take up our cross, like to die again to, to us by saying to God, you're right, I was wrong, and, and would, you, would you wash me? again, Lord? Would you remind me that I've been, probably better theology, would you remind me that I'm washed? Right? Question, should we care about what others think about us? Huh, buddy, I like that. You know, I thought about that for a while, and, and look, should we care about what other people think? Yes. But should we care about what other people think of us, right? If if that's if that's our aim, if that's our goal, right? Then then um, get on the roller coaster. <laughs> that's going to be a ride, and it's not going to be enjoyable, right? Like I, I would say the antidote to that is we should care about what God thinks of us, right? We should care about what others think of him. Like that, that, that should matter to us. His name should be something that we guard. And I'm not talking about just the nomenclature of Jesus, I'm talking about his his power, his authority, his reputation, his lordship, his identity. Like that, that we should, we should guard that. If, man, if I hear people use the Lord's name in vain, Curdles my blood. Like I, 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 used, I had a friend that used to say, <laughs> he became a friend, he says, you know, God doesn't need a dam, he walks on water. You know, like, like man, would you, let, would you let anybody say anything? Like, and, but, but let us be gentle in our response. Let us be loving, right? But it's, mm, another question for you. Have you ever tried to appear more spiritual than you are? And I'm just taking the text and diagnosing the questions that Jesus is actually a- asking here. This is, this is the roadmap to hypocrisy. Trying to appear more spiritual than you are than, rather than just living your truth. And, and that's, not a, that's not an excuse to live, live out a sinful lifestyle. It's, just, it's, it's a place of honesty and transparency that acknowledges that God gets to determine the right. Right. And and when I'm not, when I'm at odds with that, I'm wrong. And and I but but God in his mercy has made provision to where we can we can come to him with sincere hearts and we can say, Father, I'm sorry, and mourn our sin and experience the comfort of the Spirit and the healing work that comes through transparency and confession. Do you know it says confess your sins to one another? Right, like there's a community is meant to have this confessional dynamic in its culture, that uh, that just and then it says that the response is that we might be healed, and that we might pray for one another. Like, you know, it should be yeah, me too, (laughs) me too. Can we go? Can we go to the cross together and just be reminded of what he's done to rescue us from this this broken this paradigm of lies that we live in that we're being rescued from. Be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in God's word that you might know his good, perfect and pleasing will. Right? So have you ever tried to appear more spiritual than you are? Why? Why do we do that? To fit in? To be liked? Yeah, that's definitely in the equation, buddy. See, I want to tell you something. Jesus never had this objective. Do you know what Jesus' objective was? To please the Father. To honor God's will, his timing, his will. He was so, that, was his, that was his passion. to do. I'm here to do what my Father has sent me to do. I'm going to say this again later, but I want to say it because it, it kind of gets us to think a little bit along the lines of what this passage is about. Do you know that Jesus feared the, the Father? He feared the Lord. He embodied all, he didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it. Jesus feared the, the problem is our understanding of fear has to do with punishment. Our understanding of fear doesn't, doesn't, doesn't resonate, resonate with, with awe and reverence and, and uh, wonder and an a, and a insatiable desire to please him. This is what it means to fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is an extreme intellect. Wisdom is the application of truth. Right? So to fear the Lord actually is what drives uh, our, our application of truth. It's, it, we do it out of, and that clarifies, doesn't it? We do it out of not obligation or reluctancy. God loves a cheerful giver. Obedience is a, is a gift. To the Lord. And it says it's an act of love, we're told in John 14. Right? But 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 we do it out of the fear. Like we've got to change our our our, nom- our our definition there. Because perfect love casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And Christ, we, when we're perfected in love, we are no longer fearful of the punishment of our sin because we believe the cross was enough. Isn't that good news? So it's not the fear of condemnation because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's, it's this healthy reverence and awe and passion to please, not out of obligation or reluctancy, but out of gratitude because we are so overwhelmed by the gift, right? And so why do we try to appear more spiritual? Why do we try to fit in and be liked? See, Jesus who knew who he was, we see this in John 13, right before he washes his disciples feet. And let me say that's so critical that it's stated there in John 13, because it's what, it's what motivates our serve. It's what motivates our ministry. Is when we know three things. Jesus, it says, Jesus knew who he was, he knew where he was going, and he had an audience of one. Guys, when that is our posture and and motivation, it clarifies every motive, intention, and, and, and moment. Right? Because when we're susceptible to the fear of man or the desire to be cool or popular right? We're, we're on a road to compromise, right? We're, we're, we're afraid to share the gospel. And in some way, we're ashamed of, of Christ, his mission and ministry, his word. Do you believe that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the greatest news the world has ever heard? Do you believe it's the answer to man's sin, disease, and cancer? Then why are we not screaming it from the mountaintops? Why isn't it the call and the, and the mantra of our lives? Is it all that matters when we come to death's door? Can we buy or earn our way in any way into his presence? And yet Christ has, has done it and then said, Here, my gift to you. Wow, that's the greatest news the world has ever been told and it should be, it should be all that we want to, to share with others. And when we are afraid of man or wanting to be cool or popular, it will absolutely put out that fire. And this is what Jesus is telling the boys. Why? Look at the context. Now there's some people that are highly motivated to kill us Now we're sitting in a context of, despite that, that the leaders want to kill us, right? Despite that, we're sitting in a place where thousands of people are coming to to, to, to our, to our new, to our church. Thousands of people are coming to our ministry. And there's two great risks here. And he gets right down with the boys first. And he's saying, be careful. I warn you of the sin of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It will put out your fire for me. That's what he's saying here. Don't we know when we are pretending and isn't it exhausting to try to be someone that we're not? And it is also an assault against God's Beautiful purpose for your life. Do you know he made you on purpose for a purpose? That you are unique in all of creation. He made you the way you are. Everything about you was designed on purpose. And his way is is what, like, all of those details are meant for every purpose that you will face in your life. And when we try to walk a different path or be something that God didn't design or create us to be, which is very relevant to our cultural issue right now, right? We have an identity crisis in our culture, right? Is, and here's God, with, and is he going to relent on his objective to, 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 to bring his image to bear on us? Is he going to relent on that? No. So it's like, Paul, you're, you're fighting against God. You're kicking against the goats, right? God, God, God made you for such a time as this. And so, why try to be something you're not? And man, don't be looking at all the extremes in this regard and and disregard what's going on in your own heart. Let that mirror have its full effect and realize that sometimes I'm afraid of what people think of me. Sometimes I'm pretending. Sometimes I'm trying to put forward a spiritual image that's not true of, of who I am. Own it. God knows it anyway. And he's working that all out in you. But you've got to come to agreement with God about these things so that you can be healed. Right? You've got got to confess it as sin. And you've got to agree with God. And you've got to say, God, I want your way because you're the master, author of life and everything in it. Question. And I would say one of the most important questions that we ask of this text why is Jesus specifically warning his disciples here? Why at this moment? I mean, there's thousands of people shown up today, right? And yes, there, there's clear agenda to, to snuff us out, right? But like you would think, hey, look at the crowds. Yay, accolades. Yeah, this is great. And, and yet Jesus is saying, warning, be careful. Popularity is not the path. So here's, here's what he's specifically warning them here. They might be tempted to please the crowds or please the leaders to avoid persecution. Now I'm going to tell you this is so incredibly relevant to the church today. You know how many churches as they get bigger, the crowds start coming? Well, we're, going to, we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're not going to talk about this anymore because that might diminish the the crowds you know I, we, we're going to start people pleasing we're going to start caring about what others like and don't like right and and if there's people that want to harm us, right they want to hurt us, then um, then we're going to, we're going to back down a little bit on this 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 gospel thing we don't want to. Do you know that we're told in Psalms 27:1 that the fear of man is a snare? What's a snare? It's a trap. A trap to fear man. Like that. So this is what Jesus is getting after. And we all want to be liked and affirmed. Is that true? I mean like nobody's going, I don't want to be liked or encouraged today. Please nobody do that. Right? Like we all want to be liked and affirmed, but we must be careful that this doesn't lead to compromise and living a lie. Hypocrisy. So, my question to you is this So, how do we avoid living a lie? How do we avoid living a lie? Do you know that I think there's a firm statement in this passage that we would probably never come to in a quick conversation? Jesus is saying, Here's the answer fear God alone. Fear God alone. How's, how's that going? Fear, fear God alone. Let, let everything you do... Now, again, I've, I've clarified fear here, right? Out of reverence and gratitude, out of awe and wonder, out of acknowledging Him. We, we sang, you know, songs this morning. Just, you know, ideally, like, is God bigger than we perceive Him to be? Is He better than we perceive... Is He gooder than we perceive Him to be? Gooder, You know, like... Yes. And the thing is, he deserving of our, of our allegiance and our loyalty and our com- commitment and sacrifice? And man, Jesus modeled that for us. He did everything to please the Father. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father to that extent, right? So Jesus said this in the, in the first verse, he said, beware of the leaven, the sin of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Can I I read a couple of passages for you? First one is from from 1 Corinthians 5. And I want to say here that the context here is what's going on is there's a guy in the church that is sleeping with his stepmother and they are just overlooking it thinking, look at us, how grace-filled are we? Right? And so I want to use this as a context because, you know, Paul is is under the counsel of the Holy Spirit is saying, you got to get the sin out. Like it's going to contaminate. I mean, what is, one thing about hypocrisy is it's contagious. Sin. It's like leaven. What does leaven do? It rises up, right? It, it expands. And so this is what he's saying here, right? But, but this is the context, and this is what Paul says to, this, to, this, to the church in this context. He says this in verses 6 and 7 in chapter 5. He says, your boasting is not good. Do do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. (laughs) New creation, right? And and then then he makes this shift because now we're talking New Testament, right? Listen to the shift he says here. As you really are unleavened. Don't you love that? He's reminding them of what Christ did through the cross in making them a new creation, a new lump. Right? I don't know if I want to run around telling people, you're a new lump, you know but I mean the, but that's what he's saying it's you're free of the yeast of the pharisees you're you're free of those things so so if there's that going and, and this is sobering, but if there's sin that's going on in the church, you know what what's clearly being said here is it it needs to be dealt with in 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 the hopes of re, of restitution of of repentance and you know that's that's the hope because later on we see in these letters that he says. Okay, now you've, you've, you've set him aside. It's time to go and reconcile him. He's learned his lesson. You know what I mean? So th- that's the, always the hope. But, but think, take this personally. Like this is true of the church individually as it is corporately, is that when there's sin in our hearts, it's got to go. That's the objective of the Holy Spirit. That's the, I mean, God is relentless in his, in his pursuit of the radiance and the blamelessness of what he has purchased for the bride. And you're the bride of Christ. I mean, he's going to present to his son, us, and he's making her radiant, right? That's that's what he's up to here, because I love what he says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as as you really are unleavened, for Christ, our Passover lamb, putting that all together, you know, unleavened bread, the whole piece has been sacrificed, has been sacrificed. He's reminding them that you are new in Christ. This is not to be a part of, because what's at stake here? And this really gets into the meat of what this whole text is about. Like, what's at stake here? Jesus' name. His, his reputation. That's what's at stake here. And he says, it can't be. It can't be. It's gotta, we gotta confess this. We got to get this out. And here's the thing, the path to healing is repentance. Like we can't we can't extract, can you see, have you ever tried to extract the sin of your heart? Have you tried to get, you ever tried to get it out? You can't, right? But God can and he did. And and we're a new lump. Right? Because of the sacrifice of the the, the, the Passover lamb. Isn't that good news? Like doesn't the world need to hear that the sin that's destroying them, this wide path that's leading to destruction, that there's a narrow path that will lead them to life. And, and if they see the, the ambition of God to love them to life and, and that that's demonstrated through the passion and the courage and the, and the zeal of your life, like they want in, right? Right? But if we're walking in hypocrisy and we're afraid of man's opinion of us and we're seeking popularity, I used to tell teenagers, I'm like, in Revelation 3, it says, don't, don't, be, don't be lukewarm. You know, be either hot or cold. But don't be lukewarm I'm about this. It makes me sick, is what God says. And what is lukewarm? Cool. So don't be cool. Right? Like That's, that's not the goal. Right? It's, it's to be hot. And look, is that going to create? Is that going to put you at odds with the paradigm of this world? Is that going to put you at odds with the trends and fads and preferences of of, of this culture? <laughs> exactly, buddy. Right. But you have to be okay with that because that's what it means not to please man and not to seek popularity. Right. And 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 if that is in and look there there there. It, it, Raise your hand if that if there's something if there's a little of that in you. That's the whole point of the message this morning, by the way. Raise your hand, right? <laughs> so, like, like, and what we and what we do is in this moments we go, God, I see that. Like, you just put that mirror in my heart. And I I see that in me. Like, I I, I want to please people. Like, I, I want people to like me. You know, like, you know, and and but but when that leads to an ashamed posture for the gospel, or. Kind of like, mm, I don't know how they're gonna read. Look, look th- th- this is not a reason to, to abuse people or to just, hey, I'm gonna get out and offend some, pe- offend some people today. That's not what Jesus' aim was. He was loving them into the kingdom by telling them, warning them of, uh, of their heart issues. Isn't that what a good parent does to their kids? Honey, stealing is wrong. I know you wanted it and you thought you deserved it. You know what I'm saying? you warn, right? That's what love does. In Galatians 5, 9, talking to the Judaizers, you know, talking about poor doctrine, that that grace alone and Christ alone is not enough, that circumcision was necessary. He says this, Paul says this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Guys, don't play with sin. Don't play with it in your own life. Be be a model of those that produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The moment that the Holy Spirit, the God, the Word of God reveals sin in your life, confess it, walk away from it. Let the healing work of God's Spirit and God's Word cleanse your life. There's been there's been a there's been there's been there's been an antidote, right? So just like leaves, yeast, a little. Hypocrisy grows and consumes the entire person. Don't miss this. So hypocrisy, like yeast, puffs up the ego. And this is the path to compromise and spiritual decay. I grew up in the Bahamas, so we had a lot of British background. There was a Scott, uh, a guy from Scotland that was a novelist and a poet. uh, And maybe some of you knew it, but we grew up kind of learning about these different folks. And so, so Sir Walter Scott had this to say. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to. Don't you find that one lie leads to another? One deceptive pattern and, and pursuit just, just, exempt, just it amplifies. And, and it begins to, just like yeast. Let me remind you this morning, like it or not, you're a new lump because of the cross, the the Passover lamb has been, has been sacrificed, right? We're, you know, we're, that's the good news. And so sin is not something that we want anymore, even though our flesh, we still have a craving for it. It is something that we, we want out. And that I heard this recently, like it's, we move from do to done, right? It's not about us doing, it's about being reminded of what Christ has done. Right, Because that's our only hope of redemption. That's our only hope of healing, is the cross. So d- don't, don't seek change in your strength. Know that there's power for change in the Holy Spirit, which is a gift that we're given on the other side of the cross and our dependency, our declaration of lordship. And, and listen, Jesus said this, please hear me. He said, many of you say, Lord, Lord, to me. But basically he goes on to say, but your actions declared that that's not true you're not following me. And Jesus followed this path. He was was a God pleaser. He was living for an audience of one. He was not seeking to be popular and he had plenty of opportunity, right? He was was gonna please the Lord and often that put him at odds with with a lot of circumstances and people's perception. So now listen to this sobering warning in verses two and three. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed this is the Lord's words, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. What are we being told here? Hypocrisy is fruitless and foolish. The Lord knows it, and will it will and, and, and it will all eventually be revealed. Isn't that sobering? Like, look, there's accountability, there's, there's justice for everything in our life, right? There, there will be an account. And here, let me make sure that I breathe grace into this statement. Because at the end of the day, if we are in Christ, we have no fear of punishment. None. For, for every, you know, he covered it all. But for those that aren't, it's the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Right? And so that should motivate us to be missional. Right? So, but it also should motivate us in this regard to live in the light, to be transparent, to be honest, to be open, to confess our sins, not just to the Lord, but to each other. So that we can say, yeah, me too. Pray for one another and experience the healing work that comes. Avoid any any temptation to cover up or hide and always speak to please the Lord and not man. Can that be part of the counsel of this passage? Is that, you know, don't, don't live in a, in a concealed mode. Don't live in a hiding mode because it, it basically is evidence that you're afraid of, of man. So why is Jesus saying this to his disciples? So they don't give in to the temptation to cover up or compromise his word, right? Is, is that not some of the issues of the church today? Like, are are we gonna are we gonna compromise His Word? Are we gonna teach His Word? Because I'm, I promise you, if you continue to teach His Word in current context, it's not going to be a popularity contest. It's it's not gonna. It's it, itching ears don't like the, the 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 solid truth, the meat of God's Word. Was Jesus avoiding or afraid to offend? No, but that wasn't His motive. His motive wasn't to offend. His motive was to unashamedly reveal the Father's heart. And so I'm going to give you a text that probably seems out of context, but it's so in context, it's ridiculous, and it'll probably bring greater clarity to a verse that's maybe familiar to you. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, listen to Jesus' words here. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross which is so clarifying for today. And that posture that Jesus is talking about is so required in order for us to not be ashamed. We have to, we have to die to our own agenda, our own desires, and what we have, to, we have to be crucified with Christ that we know in order that this, because he goes on to say in verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, is that the case of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Isn't that clarifying and sobering? Like if we don't live a life of, of surrender and sacrifice, if we're not set apart like and and all in, like we're gonna be we're gonna be tempted to compromise and be ashamed of him and his word. So what is the root to hypocrisy? Based on what Jesus is saying, and again, I don't think that we would come to this conclusion without the help of the Holy Spirit in the text, but that the, 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 the root of hypocrisy is the fear of man. Verses four and five. And if you have the message translation sometime today, pick it up and Phillips... And, and uh, he, he get, like, again, it's a paraphrase. It's, not tra- it's a paraphrase. But it's another voice in the conversation. And, and I love the way that he, 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 he shares this. Okay? But in verses 4 and 5, it says this, I tell you, my friends. So again, we see that he's talking in the midst of these thousands. He's talking to his disciples. He says, remember, and look here, how many times does fear show up in the ESV? In other translations, even more. But here, four times in one verse or two. It says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. Because that's all they can do. Don't fear, man. Do, do, do you see how Jesus embodied this message, this teaching? Was he afraid to die? Was he No, was he, he would never die. He's life. But like, was he afraid to offer his body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God for his spiritual act of worship? Was, was he afraid of laying his body down as an offering? For the for the sacrifice of of our redemption? Like he says, do not fear those who kill the body. And afterwards that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. And that would be a capital W there in whom? Fear him, talking about God, who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, I, I'm not going to rehearse what we've already talked about in, in what kind of fear we're talking about here, but, but Jesus feared the Father in his, in, in his holy pursuit of him, in his love and adoration for him, in his life depicted. So let me ask you a question this morning. Does your life depict a reverent awe of God? A radical obedience that, that proves your lordship his lordship. Because whether you make him lord or not, he's lord, <laughs> right? He's lord, right? But it, it'll change your world. It, it'll, it'll make you citizens of a different kingdom if, if you surrender to him as the lord that he is, right? I, I love that. See, when we are afraid of what man might say or do to us, compromise is calling. We must consider character as a higher value than reputation. Did you hear that? We must consider character, integrity, honesty, transparency as a higher character, a higher value than our reputation. I I mentioned this another place here. uh, uh, Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I would say from sin, hypocrisy in this context. Galatians 1.10, For I for am I now seeking the approval of man? Paul says, or of God, or am I trying to please man? I love this because what he says here is, if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Is that crazy clarifying? So if you try to please man, what are you not going to be? Servant of Christ, and what is our serve? To go into all the earth, and to make disciples, to be witnesses. We're empowered for this purpose. He's with us to teach what we've been taught. Guys, that's your mission. That's your purpose, right? That's why you get a new breath and his mercies this morning, right? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hebrews 13, 6, Paul, or a group of folks here, including Paul, says this. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Well, to answer that question, man could do a lot to us, right? But when we look at it from an eternal perspective, there's limitations. Right? They they can take our our bodies, but they can't take our life. So what do we have to fear? The problem is, do we believe it? Because you live what you truly believe. That's Clarifying. So, what is our antidote to hypocrisy? Fear God alone. I think the text clearly says this. This will help us to overcome all other fears. Faith over fear, we say. We say that a lot recently. Let me give an example. David feared the Lord more than he feared Goliath. There's where his confidence lied, there's where his faith was realized. Joshua feared God more than the Canaanites. And the public opinion of of, of the Israelites at the time. Do you, do you think it was a popular message for Joshua and Caleb to go, yeah, yeah, we're like grasshoppers. Yeah, that's, that's true. But God said so, so it's already, it's already done. It's already established. God said that we were going to be given the promised land. And that was not a popular posture, but it was a posture of faith. And they were the only two of the generation that left Egypt that crossed the Jordan River and were empowered to do great things. Here's the one I mentioned. Jesus feared the Father more than the storm and slept in the stern of the boat. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego feared, feared, feared God more than they feared the furnace or Nebuchadnezzar. And guys, that's, listen, sometimes we turn these into little fictional stories. That was no fictional story. That's historical fact. They stood, they stood before the most powerful leader on the planet and they said, we will not bow down to your idol. And respectfully, um, you know, God will deliver us. And if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. We won't do it because we fear God more than we fear you. But, you know, most people would say, because oh, <laughs> most people did, right? Including those in Babylon. They, they bowed down because it's like, what's the big deal? <laughs> what's the big deal here? Well, everything's God's, God's name's at risk here. Your, your faith is that, you know what I mean? See, we are told by Jesus here that the Lord alone determines the destiny of our soul. That's what he's saying here. Fear him. He's the only one that can determine the destiny of your soul. Please him, right? Because he's the ones in charge of that. And just in case that starts to create an angst or a fear of God that's unhealthy and and, and thinking he's going to punish all of that that Christ took for us, This is what he says in verse six and seven. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And are not one of them is forgotten before God? What is he saying there? You are not forgotten. He knows you. He goes on with that to say, why even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. This is not saying don't fear God after I, he just told you to fear him. He's saying don't fear man. Right? Because, because you are loved. I wrote it this way. God knows the truth about every detail of your life and values you enough to send his son to die in your place. Do you know that Jesus... Now listen, this was a thought that came earlier in the week and I had to share it and it just fit Perfect. Do you know that Jesus knew every fault and failure in your entire life before and still raced to the cross to rescue you? Let that liberate you when you you make a mistake. He knew this and still raced to a cross, fully aware of your life from Alpha to Omega, and raced to a cross to redeem you because that's what love does. Don't hide run to him. He loves you and knows you better than you think. That's what this whole point is here. Number of hairs on your head. Don't hide. Run to him. He loves you more. He loves you and knows you better than you think. He knows you can't make it without him. Isn't that refreshing? He knows you can't make it without him. Do we know that? You are not forgotten and the intimate details of your life are no mystery to our Heavenly Father. Unlike the Pharisees and scribes, confess and repent of your sins. Worship team, please come. Unlike the Pharisees and the scribes, confess and repent of your sins and know and believe that the cross was enough. His promises are faithful. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And as I mentioned earlier, Perfect love casts out all sin because sin has to do with punishment. Why, why are we relieved of that Of, of that? that fear? It's because we are perfected in love. And what's that love talking about? The love that was demonstrated while we, we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. We will never deserve the cross. Never. It's a gift of God's mercy and grace. But we fail to experience its benefits when we don't confess our sin, when we don't acknowledge our our shortcomings as if he's surprised, as if the cross was was an afterthought. We know that, that before the foundations of the earth was laid, Christ was crucified. God knew we would need a demonstration of his love and a mercy that would rescue us from our opposition, our relentless rebellion. Guys, as we sing this last song, I'm not going to invite you to sing. I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to invite you to confess. I'm going to invite you to declare him Lord. I'm going to invite you to to acknowledge um, that you uh, are a people pleaser and that you're fearful of man that you have desire for popularity. I I want you to to put these these principles into practice so that you get off the road to compromise and miss the opportunity to be a vigilant, watchful, passionate, zealous proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your counsel. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you write this on our heart, bring this to a greater understanding, practical expression in our own lives, Lord, that we would not be like the Pharisees and reject this moment, quench your, your gift of conviction in this moment and miss the moment, miss the opportunity to repent and confess, to, to lay bare our hearts and souls that are, that are not a mystery, or concealed to you and to to believe your word and promises knowing that times of refreshment will come, that times of healing, that we will walk into the healing that's already been purchased. Lord, help us to know that we're a new lump and that we would live as new lumps. In Jesus' name, amen.